enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show is presented by Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and they just killed it this week. They sent me a box of curated running goodies that I was all about. So these boxes usually contained four to six items. Mine contained six, and I kept four of them. This is the best part. You keep what you love. I kept two shirts and two pairs of shorts that I was a big, big fan of. Now, you send back what you don't love. One of the shirts didn't fit perfectly. It was the size that I would have bought if I was in a store, but it was just a little short, and there was a pair of socks I decided not to keep. That was the best part. There's a self-addressed envelope in there. Popped them in the envelope, put them back in my mailbox, gone. Don't have to pay for postage or anything, and now I have some new high-quality gear. Got an Asics shirt, a New Balance shirt, uh, Asics shorts and Brooks shorts. These are all the best stuff. I cannot wait. I'm going to wear the New Balance shirt and the Asics shorts tomorrow morning. That's how quickly I turn these things around. I love it. Thank you, Mercury Miles. So this episode is with Lauren Flores. Lauren is somebody who, as you'll hear, I've been wanting to have on this show for a long time because, first of all, like a lot of the people on this show, she's one heck of a runner, but that's not the only reason because she is intermixing her running with starting a family with a lot of people at her level. She is qualified for the uh, marathon Olympic trials. Don't usually do that. Usually it's family before the running or family after the running. She's doing both at the same time, which I thought was uh, you know quite unique and I couldn't wait to talk to her, but we talk about a lot more than that. And I know you're going to love this conversation with Lauren. But before we get into it, I do want to talk about one more company that I'm a huge fan of and who also sponsors the show, Megaton Coffee, the official coffee, the official beverage of the Rambling Runner podcast. I love this stuff. I drink it every morning. It's excellent coffee. It's twice as caffeinated as a normal cup, which means you can use less. You can buy less. And it's just so darn Good, especially for early morning runners like myself. And the best part, they have a subscription monthly service. You can get one, two, or four bags sent directly to your home. And if you use code RAMBLING at checkout, you will save $5 on your first bag. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Lauren Flores. Hello, Lauren, and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. Hi, Matt. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. I'm so excited to chat with you as well. We've been kind of like circling this moment for a while. (laughs) Uh, Usually my fault. I can say that. I I think the first time we spoke was like last September. We're like, we should really get this going. And then it just, it just kept getting pushed back. But Hey, I, I, to be honest with you, while, while I'm ashamed of my procrastination, I also don't think this could happen at a better time, relatively speaking to what you got going on. Yeah, I think last like last September, I think that sounds right. I was at like the GRIAC Invitational with the team I was coaching at the time, like running around the field cheering for them. And I was like, oh, cool. He wants to record that. I was then. <laughs> yeah, then it kind of uh, it petered out. But then we got we got it on. So that's good. Um, we- but yeah, I think since then, I wasn't really doing much until a couple months ago because I was uh, pregnant and now I'm back training. So that's exciting. It's an exciting time. 
It sure is. Cause you, you've been working on something that I feel like a lot of the people that I've talked to for this, for this podcast, it kind of fall into two camps in terms of people who are roughly your ability, you know, kind of like, you know, either, mm-hmm. either a potentially elite to sub elite runner or someone who like is closing in on that, or, you know, recently was at that level and maybe is a little bit, um, a little bit later in life. But they kind of fall into two camps. Oftentimes, <laughs> it's either people who kind of started, who did their family kind of after they did the, the bulk of what they wanted to accomplish in running, or people who started their family early on and then really got into running later. Or maybe, you know, maybe ran in college, but then took a bunch of years off and then got back into it later. And, hey, surprise, surprise, the talent is still there and they make it happen. Whereas you, Lauren, you're kind of like really intermixing the two, which I think is for someone to your level is somewhat rare. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I, we, the first, with our first daughter, I definitely was, you know, I was a little burnt out on running and I was like, well, I just want to have a baby. A lot of people in our small group were having uh, their first kid at the time. Um, and so I was like, you know, I, I know I want to keep running and I want to get faster, but right now I just like need a break. And it turned out to be good timing. Um, Cause then after our daughter, I think I PR'd, at every distance from the 10k to the marathon. So I still have dreams of PRing in the 5k one day, but, um, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. That I continued to get faster after she was born our first. So you ran at Pepperdine. So you were a mm-hmm. one runner. Um, and then after college, what got you to the point where you were starting to feel burnt out from running? Yeah. So I was actually pretty lucky that Pepperdine was what I would consider like a low key division one program. Um, we didn't have a ton of like scholarships. So everybody that was there, you know, had been pretty good in high school and just wanted to go to a Christian university, but also continue to run. So people had a lot of other exciting things going on. Um, and so I wasn't like, you know, super burnt out, um, from that aspect of having a lot of pressure and all that. But um, Which is rare. We should yeah. say like there's a lot yeah. of college runners who they graduate and they're like, hey, man, I need never again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was, I was like definitely very like internally motivated. I had um, PR'd in college from high school in the 5K by three minutes. Um, so I got like a lot faster while I was there. And then but at the end of my junior year, I had this like um, really <laughs> big injury. I had a stress fracture in the femoral neck of my my. uh I think it was my right femur. I don't even remember anymore. Um, and so I was out for like three months that summer. Uh, my sister, who's also a runner, she had uh, double stress fractures in her shin. So we were just like a bunch of little sad puppies that summer, like sitting on the couch, eating ice cream, watching TV, and then like trying to crash train our butts off um, as much as we could. But so then that's, it just was like a really hard senior year, I would say. I had wanted to try and stay a fifth year so that I could um, kind of reach my potential in redshirt that junior, that senior year, but I wasn't able to just cause, um, well, I was like, I was going to be done with my degree and that wasn't worth staying. So, um, I just, I, that, that fall for cross country my senior year, I did like poor, very poorly compared to the year before. And then that, that, uh, spring, I just was, was not doing as well as I had wanted to. I'd wanted to make it to regionals. Um, for D1. Um, and that didn't happen. I just kind of ran the same times I had run the year before. And so after, after I graduated, I was like, I don't want to do anything like that I could compare to myself to before. So that's when I started, um, 
training for the LA marathon. Um, and I ran that about a year after I graduated and after, you know, kind of diving straight into that and not really knowing what I was doing the first time around, I was just running a lot of miles. Um, I think I would just do like 10 miles every weekday and then a long run on this on Saturday and then rest on Sunday. Um, after that, I was just kind of, I didn't know how I could get faster. Um, at the distances I really loved um, and just kind of was burnt out on all that. So um, kind of took my training down for another year before we got pregnant. Um, wait, two more years. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't really, I don't know. I was just kind of bouncing around, didn't have a lot of direction um, after college and was kind of burnt out of, you know, in college and high school, you have like um, you run your cross country season and then you have a break and then you run your track season, and then you have a break. And I just was always chasing getting faster and never taking a break after I graduated. Um, so since I didn't have the guidance of a coach or anything, I just kind of ran myself into the ground and didn't really make much progress in those three years after I graduated. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth and you're talking about the seasons <laughs> in my head. I'm like blinking, blinking light. Like and you didn't have a coach either. Right. And it's yeah. No. Like, and and, that, and this is like so important. And you're a coach now you coach in college and you coach people remotely as well. And we can touch on that later is oftentimes people think of a coach like they will help me get faster. And certainly that's true, right? Yep. Like you would hope that a coach would help you get faster. That's, that's kind of the point. But part of that too is having a coach who can hold you back thinking yeah, about exactly. the long term and not going to like rush you into anything. You're like, hey, I know you want to get faster, but that means like not doing anything for the next three weeks if you actually yeah. want to get faster and keeping you out of that gray zone. Yeah. And it was kind of surprising to me, I think, because in high school and college, I was always so good, you know, about taking the breaks. Um, some of my teammates would be like, oh, I don't know. How am I going to not run for two weeks? But I was always, oh, it's the two week break. I'm so excited. Like my husband and I would go like hiking and um, just do all these fun things I never got to do during the season. So I think it kind of surprised me that afterwards I just, you know, I just didn't have a lot of direction. I was doing workouts and like I was running okay. I just wasn't making any progress. There was no focus to what I was doing really. I was just like, oh, this 5k looks fun. And then that half marathon looks fun. And just jumping from one thing to the next and not really planning out, you know, like a racing season for myself, which is what I've um, more been doing in the past like two years, I'd say. But do you think looking back now that that might've been good for you considering how your college career ended? Um, I think, yeah, that's definitely what I needed at the time. I do wish that I had kind of got back to where I am now, um, a little bit sooner, but I do think I grew a lot, especially mentally. Um, in that first marathon, I just like, it was such a struggle, not just physically, but like mentally too. And so just looking at that, like comparing that to my most recent marathon, um, I think, that that influenced the ones that were in between. Cause I just would get so down mentally on myself in races and it was kind of a tough rut to break out of. Um, so I think that year post-graduation, so like certainly influenced uh, a lot of how I dealt with, with like the mental aspects of training and racing going forward for a couple of years. So has that always been part of your personality? And by that, I mean, have you always been someone who has been critical and wanting more and very like competitive with yourself and, and things of that nature? Um, well, it's so, it's so interesting. Cause like in high school, I don't think I struggled very much mentally. And in college, 
Um, I actually once had an assistant coach that like, she kind of got on my case one time um, because we were at, at a meet. I was racing like later in the day. So I was laying like in our tent and she's like, what are you doing? Like, you're too chill. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. Cause I was like kind of taking a nap. She's like, no, you have to be like getting up and getting fired up. And I was like, no, like I'm okay. Like I'm, com- I'm confident. Um, so I think, cause in those moments, you know, I had a coach telling me what I could do and, um, that I could do it and I could be successful. And I kind of relied on that, like external, the external, um, uh, validation. And the, then uh, another thing that's kind of a, a tough subject to talk about is that throughout like high school and college, I kind of struggled um, with an eating disorder and kind of tried to control a lot of um, like just a lot of factors. And I think, you know, having control in that way, once I had gone over that post-college, I was kind of going through the healing and everything associated with that post-college as well. And I kind of struggled thinking, oh, I'm not like as intense. I'm not tracking everything I'm eating. Like I'm, I'm too laid back. Like I can't, I don't have it in me to be like that intense anymore. And I've kind of realized, you know, that you can, you can enjoy food and you don't have to be like tracking everything and to be serious and to, um, you know, be taking your running seriously. You can enjoy food and have fun food. And I think too, that just, there, I had to change a lot about how I looked at myself and saw myself, um, as a person, as an athlete, um, cause I just got a lot more laid back and I was used to having to be super intense about my running and thinking that's how you had to be, to be successful. Were there anything, when you look back now, was there anything that triggered the eating disorder within you? Um, I think, so I think it's part partially like genetics fa- people in my family have dealt with various addictions and stuff like that. Um, but I just can pinpoint it to this one, this one boyfriend that I had in high school. And he would always be like, oh, you know, well, he was a wrestler. So wrestlers, they have struggles with body stuff too. But I'd be like, oh, can we get ice cream? He's like, how about we make like a smoothie? Or like would like jokingly tell me I was fat. But like, obviously I wasn't. I was a very skinny person in high school. So I don't know. I don't know how that influenced it, but obviously that is in my mind is like a a sticking point for a trigger of kind of what set it off. But I think, again, it's just wanting to control and being a very type type A (laughs) controlling person. I think you just kind of try to control anything that you can at that age because things can feel like they're changing and it's a hard time (laughs) high school and college for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's part of it is like, you want it to change, right? It's like you, the reason you go to college is to like set yourself up in ways and to learn and to grow and growing is just another word for changing, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, shoot, you're a college coach now. And um, you know, that's, that's part and parcel with the project. But at the same time, like you said, like if you're someone who's type A, I can imagine how that would, this is an unfortunate way of saying it, I guess, but how it can fit nicely into that characteristic. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, I want to control everything. Oh, look at this. Here's something I can control. And it's I can view it as related to something I care about when it's with the running. Obviously, it's detrimental to your running, but it can be easy to justify it as in the opposite light if you're predisposed to doing so. Yeah. And I think, too, like back then, I mean, that was when I was a freshman in high school. That was, oh, gosh. 15 years ago. Wow. That makes me feel old. Um, and it makes me feel old. I'm 10 years older than you. How about that? (laughs) Uh, 
I'll never forget like, you know, being at one of my first jobs and talking about like September 11th and being like, oh yeah, I was like in sixth grade and everybody being like, oh my gosh, I was like working already. <laughs> You're making me feel old. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, Is it, I were, you, think, were you a freshman in yeah, high school? I think like 15 years ago when I was a freshman in high school, the, the resources that were out there just about like um, sports nutrition. Cause you know, when you are in high school and you want to be better at your sport, you read books that are out there. And I think they're just for some that were not the best example, you know, they were eat this, like eat this granola bar and eat this shake and things that weren't like now it's all about whole foods and make sure you're getting your fats and your proteins. And back then it was very like still, I mean, early two thousands, low, low fat and all that stuff. And, um, I kind of came at it from an angle of wanting to be healthy and wanting to be better. Um, but I, I just think that the, the advice back then was a little bit outdated now. Um, so I just took that to, to an extreme, I think for sure. Right. I can, I can totally see that because there is this element as you're coming at it from that perspective, right? It's not as if like, um, th- people get eating disorders for all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can definitely see when you paint it like that, like coming at it from a, a good place originally and then having it, you know, spiral out of control or all of a sudden it goes to the other end of the spectrum where it's like, you tried to be, you tried to eat healthy and now nutrition, your, your, your nutrition is the complete end of the spectrum in terms of its actual health for you. Yeah. And then too, it's hard. Like, I think, some of the other things that contributed to the kind of lull after college was you kind of have to let yourself overcorrect a little bit. If you haven't been letting yourself eat chips or pancakes or whatever for like eight years, you kind of have to let yourself indulge and like learn again when you feel full and when you feel hungry and all that stuff. And that is like a hard process to go through because you do, you know, gain the weight and you get a little bit slower. But once you get through it and are like kind of learn how to eat more intuitively to your body. I personally found that like my weight came back to like a happy, happy medium, like higher than where it was when I was struggling, but then, you know, just naturally dropped without even trying from like when I had like overcorrected. Um, and I just think I'm like a much happier, healthier person to be around. And I think that also contributes to being mentally stronger and training and racing too. When you're just happier overall. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously there's, there's always a strong mind body connection. There's no question about it, right? Like anyone should, there's even studies now that show that if you smile during a race, it improves performance. Like of all things. I think things, I saw that know? recently. Yeah. It's like of all things, like who would imagine, but um, yeah. So you know, we, we don't spend too much time on this, but it's, oh, no, it yeah. is interesting. It is interesting to hear, hear you talk about it because you're right. It is a difficult subject and it affects so many people. Um, I talked about Carrie Tollison just a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and I've talked about it with plenty of other guests as well and, and guests to come, frankly. But with that being said, finding the ability to eat in a way that I guess like prompts you to be the most successful version of yourself. Mm-hmm. What has that looked like, especially in the last you know six years or so where you know you went through that 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 process of like kind of relearning how to feed yourself in a way and kind of like going through that, that process and learning what, what feels good, what doesn't feel good and what's too much and what's the right amount. And then, you know, obviously you've gone through two pregnancies now and, you know, that provides its own, its own unique challenges. So now again, just to jump to the, the current moment, yeah. you know, you're, you're, Hey, 
you're you're getting back into running and you're you're kind of you're improving by leaps and bounds every week now that you're four or five months postpartum what is it like now for you trying to you know dial in your nutrition not only in the in a, for performance but in the most healthy way you can yeah so nutrition now is so difficult because i'm so hungry like when you're pregnant it's so interesting because everybody tells you you're going to be starving. But when you're a runner who goes from going running, you know, eight, 10, eight to 10 miles a day to running like three, you're like less hungry when you're pregnant. And then you have the baby. That's and- a great <laughs> point. I've never heard anybody say that, but it makes so much sense. Anyone who's going yeah. through marathon training knows how hungry you get. Yeah. Because like if you, well, when you're pregnant, you're like, I think growing it, the baby only burns like 300 calories a day. So if you like are running like six miles less per day and you're only like burning, like you're running three more miles, you're like, oh, I'm like not hungry. I'm just and they, like, you're all, you're everything's squished. Your stomach gets full faster. So I never got to experience that. Like, oh, I'm so hungry during pregnancy. But then I make up for it when you're like in the postpartum year, because you're, I'm back running and running, I think this, this I don't know. I've been running like a little bit over 50 miles a week. And then I'm also breastfeeding, which just like makes you so hungry. So, you know, I do really try and make sure that I start my morning with like good proteins and fats and just something that's really satiating. Um, and then also I just don't kind of limit myself, um, eating something when I'm hungry, even if it's not the best option, um, is better than not eating, you know? Um, I think I heard Des Linden say it on a podcast once, um, that like, she's like, if I'm hungry, if the only things around like is a donut, I'm going to eat the donut. Cause my body, my body needs to eat something and I'm going to give it some fuel. Um, so, but I just have been trying yeah, to focus on snacks and meals with that are high in fat and, um, high in protein. Um, been eating a lot of red meat, um, because I don't want to be struggling with iron as I'm getting back into running, um, which my husband really likes because usually it's all like chicken and turkey stuff. Um, but it, it is interesting because you're just kind of a, a gar- garbage disposal in those those postpartum months. And it seems and the way you the way you presented that makes it sound as if you're not really struggling with it the way you had seven or eight years ago. No, I. I think, I mean, I really attribute it to my husband, him helping me um, come around on all of that and just telling me that, you know, I don't know how, like, but he just kind of helped me come out of it. Um, and I didn't believe back then that it was possible to be like totally, totally, I don't know, recovered, I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I was just thinking about it the other day that, um so we were like, oh, actually yesterday we went out for Mexican food. We like went to the aquarium. We had, uh, and then we went out to lunch with the girls and had lunch at like 3 p.m., which back in the day, like if I did not have lunch at noon, I would have been like horrible, a horrible person to be around because like noon is lunchtime. Um, and you know, is that, I had, cause, like, is that because you were, would have been off schedule or because you would have yeah. been angry? Oh, just because I was off schedule, like not even <laughs> if I was hungry, you know, and it's, the way your mind works when you're going through that, it's so wild. Um, and so I was just like appreciating yesterday as we were driving home from our like family day that I was able to eat enchiladas at 3 PM and like, it, I enjoyed it. And, um, 
just thinking about how back in the day I would have been, you know, a cranky person leading up to that. But then even to, um, you know, it's kind of this weird all or nothing mentality, at least how I experienced it, that it was like, oh, if I ate enchiladas, like now I'm going to go like eat a bunch of cookies or something just because you like, you know, oh, like I, I messed up. So I should just like the day's a wash um, kind of a situation. But now I was just appreciating that I have come so far and that I can like enjoy the fun family meal, but then I can come home and like for dinner had like something healthy and had some vegetables and, you know, didn't get like down on myself. I just ate something that like would make my body feel good for my run today, (laughs) this morning. Um, and it's just such a big difference. And, um, I think, you know, back in the day that meal, not only like physically or like mentally, it would have affected me. I would have been like, oh my gosh, I ate enchiladas yesterday. Like my long run is going to be so horrible. Um, but now being able to like not even worry about that and like have a good long run too. There you go. I love, I love that quote. Eating when I'm hungry, even if it's not healthy, is better than not eating at all. Um, all right. So let's dive back to the LA Marathon. So you yeah. ran that marathon. <laughs> You you kind of you were in this position where you just wanted to get away from the end of your end of college results. Yes. Because you didn't feel like you were, you're reaching your potential. Exactly. There was more meat on the bone. You just didn't want to compare it anymore. Which I think, first of all, is really intuitive um on your part. Because sometimes people just go through this cycle and just keeps going and going and going. Um so you took stepped away and you ran the LA marathon and then you ran what was it, three ten in LA? I think it was like three eleven, but yeah, okay. I mean that's close. <laughs> Okay, so you're you're in three, which is a wonderful time, um, but especially considering that you were really ramping up there pretty quick from um, not running, you know, longer, lo- much longer distance when you were in college, relatively speaking. Obviously, you probably putting yeah. a ton of miles, but you weren't racing longer distances. No, um, at least at Pepperdine. And but it's amazing to me. So you run the three ten, three eleven, but you walked like most of the last ten k. Oh, like yes. Like, like yes. who does that? Who runs that time with walking? <laughs> It was so horrible. It was like, you know, we used to, Pepperdine's not far from Santa Monica where the LA Marathon finishes. And so I had like, you at the expo the day before, you could like type in things that like we're going to publish to your Facebook page, like as you were running. And I had put like, when we hit San Vicente, which is like 10K to go, we used to run long runs on that road, like start at the finish line basically and like run out and back. And so I had put like to update my Facebook page, like, just hit San Vicente, like have such good memories running here. Like I'm going to be feeling great. And the whole like last six miles, I was like, I am not feeling great. Why did I put that as my Facebook update? Like I can't even change it. And people are going to think I'm feeling great. And I'm like walking. Um, well, but yeah, you're, you're, you're walking. You felt great. You're like, I'm just going for a Sunday school. This is no problem at all. And I, I had had a guy friend from college, like meet me. And he was like trying to do his long run. And I was like, snapping at him being like don't tell me to run (laughs) he's like when we get to that trash can we're gonna run and I'm like okay and then we got to the trash can I'm like we are not running I'm still walking um but yeah it was so it was so tough and that year too it was like before it had gotten picked for the 2016 trials so it also like wasn't as popular it started getting popular I would say in 2014 so there like weren't very many people around like you could see like that the people on the side of the road we're just like going to brunch. They're like, Oh, the marathons today. Like, Oh, interesting. So it was just really tough. Like 
support wise. <laughs> there weren't very many people out there. Um, oh, I can imagine. It was tough. So, so you had that experience and then said, I'm never running another marathon again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I was like, and never. Then, and then how quickly, like, so what, what was the time gap there between, all right, you run this, obviously you have still have a great time. And the, you, anyone who sees that is like, oh my goodness, the girl has so much potential in the marathon. She ran a 310 and walked, you know, like, this is wonderful. Yep. But obviously in the moment, you're not feeling wonderful about nope. it. <laughs> so what was the time frame to then kind of ramp back up to doing another marathon? So I think most people, you know, they say like, oh, but the next day I was like, I'm going to do another marathon. It took me a little bit longer. And I think it, it was like, uh, I would say a month. Um, and it was because of the Boston bombings that happened that year. So I'm from Hopkinton, Boston Marathon's like my hometown race. And I had said like, oh, I'm not going to run another marathon until I'm like 26. And then I was at work and saw that the bombings happened. And I was like, okay, like I have to sign up next year and I have to be part of all those people that are going to go back and take that finish line. Um, so yeah, that the bombings um, at the Boston Marathon in 2013 were basically why, why I decided I was going to do another one. Got it. Got it. And when did you yeah. start thinking about potential for OTQs at various distances? Because you mentioned, obviously, Pepperdine didn't end the way you wanted to. And when that happened, did you think that, you know, going for that level of performance was was in your because was was in the cards or was there a shift post college that kind of made that, you know, one of your your forefront goals? Well, in college, I I don't really even I did not think that running like professionally or anything was a possibility for me. Um, and so I really was just focused on some, some goals in college. I wanted to qualify for nationals and cross country, which never happened. I was like so close my junior year. Um, and actually that year, my teammate and I, the one who ran with me at LA, um, we were in Powell's books after the regional race and met Kara Goucher and Adam Goucher. And they're like, Oh, so you're running at nationals. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sticking the knife in. Oh, geez, uh, Louise. So funny. Um, and then I really wanted to make it to regionals in um, the track. And I thought I could do it in the 5k. My coach had other ideas um, uh, and thought that the, like the steeplechase was my best option. And so I tried that my junior year and that's why I got the, the fracture in my leg. Um, and I had been, I think like, 50th um and you have to be top 48 to qualify so i was like oh. super close but even if i had made it in i couldn't have run because i like had a broken leg um and so i don't think that or until recently i my memory is that i didn't start thinking otq until after chicago um which was in 2014 and i ran 306 but when i was visiting my parents recently my dad was like oh yeah I remember after LA you said you wanted to qualify for the trials and I was and my dad's like and I was like oh it's good to have dreams Lauren <laughs> like thinking <laughs> thinking you would like never do it and he's like well look you did it I was like thanks dad <laughs> uh, it's so funny how you're like to hear he was like yeah I thought you were crazy and I was like oh I don't even I didn't think I was talking about it back then well you know what it's interesting because obviously when you, know, you had that, if someone didn't know your time, right, they just saw you going down the street, it would be like, see that girl? She's going to qualify for the Olympic trials. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but when you hear the time and the context around it, like if, if you're a coach, if you would, if you would like 
if you just saw this on a piece of paper or someone slid to you, you'd be like, you think this person can qualify for the Olympic trials? You'd be like, heck yeah, dude, obviously. Like, <laughs> she walked her way to a 310. Like, of course she has the potential <laughs> to do it. Um, but when you, when you got to that point of like, all right, you, you, you signed up for Boston, you signed up for Chicago. Um, I love how Chicago, I, I heard you talking about this on another podcast. So you end up running 306 and you didn't even really train for the marathon. In a, in, a, in, no. like, in a real way. <laughs> yeah, I was living in Boston at the time. My husband and I moved back there for one year. Um, and I was training with New Balance Boston and going to do more like cross country races. And But I had already signed up for Ch- Chicago like before Boston. So then, you know, the earlier and earlier you have to sign up for these marathons. I'm like, how are people supposed to know that in like a year that they want to do, do a marathon? It's so tough. But um. So I was training for cross country, but my sister and her boyfriend and my best friend were running the Chicago marathon too. And I was like, oh, I guess we'll go have a fun weekend. And then as it got closer, I was like, you know, like maybe I'll run 20 miles with my friend. Like she was trying to qualify for Boston. It was her first marathon. But then like morning of the officials wouldn't let me move back a corral um, because she was like seated behind me because she had never done a marathon before. And so I just like ended up you know, running it. And I was like, Oh, I'll like try and find her at some point. Like I'll find our husbands. And like, then I'll like, they'll help me find her. And I didn't see anybody the whole race. I just was like, kept, um, you know, just kept running the whole Chicago is a huge race. And there's a lot of people that run around that three hour mark. Um, I hooked up with this like super like short Italian guy who unfortunately the photographer, like obviously didn't think we were running together. And so, like, all of my race photos are, like, me and, like, half of him. I'm like, why did they not take a picture of, like, both of us together? That would have been cool. Because he, like, paced me. He, like, or we talked in the corral before we started. And he, I was like, oh, I want to run, like, 310 maybe. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, that's what I'm going to run. So we ran together till like, 22 miles. And then he was like, you go. Um, and I really credit him with uh, making making me, like, not burn out so early in that race. Because every time... The crowds in Chicago are amazing. And every time we would like run past like a big crowd of people cheering, I'd just, you know, speed up without trying because they just kind of, you get this like boost of adrenaline and he'd be like, slow down, slow down. So he kept me in check for those first like 22 miles. And then, uh, so I think my problem at LA and Boston was that I walked. And then once you start walking, your muscles lock up, you kind of get defeated that you walked. And so at Chicago around like mile 22, I went to like walk through a water stop and I was like, oh no, I can't do that. I like, had walked a couple of steps. I was like, no, just got to keep running. Um, and so pushing through that and running the whole way, I think really was, uh, and realizing how much better you feel if you don't stop to walk, um, was really influential. And in when I ran CIM, um, and I don't think I ever thought about walking in CIM, but just knowing, okay, if I don't walk, then maybe I'll feel, I'll feel better. Right. It's CAM. So you were in 306 in Chicago and you had this wonderful experience where you're finishing strong and um, despite not having the proper training, but shoot, before you even get to CAM, let me ask you this because, because, <laughs> because you have, even, even when you went through that last pregnancy, you did a 3K race when you were eight weeks pregnant. So you've done a lot mm-hmm. of different kinds of races over the last five years. So how yep. do you, when you, when you say you were to like rank the races that you like to run, <laughs> like which ones would you prefer? Oh man. I, it's funny because 
before even well I'll just mention CM. So before CM, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And then I'll be like done with the marathon. Cause like, I don't like the marathon. Um, but right now, if I had to rank them, just, we'll just go with like the top four most common. I'd say the 5k is my favorite and then the 10k and then the marathon and then the half marathon. Cause the half marathon is like the hardest distance by far. I, per- well, I think personally. Well, cause, yeah, cause for you, you're basically <laughs> running threshold pace. Oh and yeah. You're just trying to like how much like they you know they describe threshold as how fast you how far you can run in an hour or how fast you can run in an hour is the same. Yeah. But but for you obviously you're like you're running a little bit more than an hour so it's like can I run my hour pace for more than an hour? So it's like that like almost breathing hard yeah. pace and it's just like such a drag. Whereas like for like me I only for me that's like a 10k but for you you're yeah. doing like double that distance. <laughs> Yeah. And it's hard from the beginning, like the marathon, if you get a good day, doesn't feel hard till 20. So like to run 16 miles you're like, or 13 miles at like a really hard pace. I'm like, oh, I need to, I haven't figured it out yet. I, I still have yet to have like a, a good half marathon day. <laughs> so with what you just said being the case in terms of your favorite distances, how mm-hmm. much does the Olympic trials qualifying standard and just like like the excitement around that event, how, how much does that um, affect what you decide to focus on year in and year out from a racing standpoint? So, well, when I decided to do CIM, that's like the, the last or the, after Chicago, it was three years until I did CIM because I took a year of doing kind of shorter stuff and then we got pregnant. And then I spent nine months after our first daughter, just kind of running for fun. And then, um, I saw my friend who was racing super fast when I was like, I was nine months postpartum. She ran like 1630 in the 5k and we had been very similar times in college. Um, and her boyfriend was coaching her. So I saw them at a couple meets, uh, cause I was there, um, with the team I was coaching and I was like, okay, I think I want your boyfriend to coach me. And they're like, oh yeah, like whenever you're ready. And so it happened a couple meets over that season. And then he was like, okay, like, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. And so we started coaching and I did some 5Ks and 10Ks. Um, and we were just cooling down after a 10K that July. Um, me and uh, my friend and her boyfriend and Henry, my husband, and they were like, oh, you have to do CIM. We're all doing CIM. So I just kind of got like uh, peer pressured into doing it. I was like, you know, I do have some unfinished business. Like, my marathon time is like pretty slow compared to all my other times. Um, so that's why I ended up doing CIM. And then, uh, since then I, I haven't really had much choice on <laughs> what I've been training for. Um, yeah. So would you come So you run a two forty four CIM? So a mm-hmm. huge PR, mm-hmm. right? Your, your PR before that was three Oh six in Chicago, which was obviously a great race, but not the ideal buildup for the marathon. Right. So you run that two forty four. Was the was that the goal going in? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. that was so like the were, big dream goal for sure. And and that's like the race to do it at because yeah. so many women we've heard about this so often. We've covered it here on the show, and they do a great job of understanding their demographic. Like they yeah. really like they're very aware of two forty five. The course is set up for it. They got marshals who are like you know cheering you on, you know letting you know how far away you are. So when you were coming down the last half mile to a mile. What was that experience like knowing that you were really close to the number? <laughs> yeah, I, so I was like, oh, so it's very interesting. So there's a girl 
uh, another girl who went to my high school. She was a senior when I was a freshman. Her name's also Lauren. And she has run in the Olympic trials twice for the marathon. And Lauren, Lauren Philbrook. Okay. Um, And so she was at CIM that year. And I, I don't know why I didn't like think she would be there, but then we saw each other at the starting line. And then I was like, Oh, she'll be like way ahead of me. And we, as we're like, 10k to go maybe like four miles to go I like see her I'm like oh my gosh I can see Lauren Philbrook and I was like feeling okay and then I totally like hit a wall and she like just you know well she just kept going her pace or maybe she got faster she finished like 241 but I was just like holding on for dear life like trying to keep her in my sights as long as I could um and then like you said not only do like the people who are running like officiating CAM know about the trial standard like all the spectators did which was so cool so as I was getting close to the finish line um there was all these um these men like standing on the sidelines just all these spectators and they're like come on girl go get your like go get your OTQ and so it was so exciting to hear them like you know cheering specifically for like what your goal is um and my coach CIM kind of like finishes in like a UE so you like you're coming down this long street and then you turn left and then you turn left. And so my coach was probably about half a mile out from the finish line. And like, uh, he, you know, cheered me on, told me I was like super close and that I was going to do it if I didn't like slow down significantly. And I just remember you like turn left and then you turn to this, the finishing shoot. Um, and you have about, Oh, maybe like 100, 200 meters to go. And it still said like 243. And I just like knew I was going to do it. And um, I I don't remember if I tried to pick it up or if I just kind of soaked it in. Uh, but I just remember like totally like, well, crossing the finish line, being so excited, throwing my hands up in the air, which because I had told myself like no matter what, finishing this race I wanted to like get a good finish line picture because at Chicago my finish line picture is me like stopping my watch you know like looking at my time like okay (laughs) I'm like what what like why is it important the race is going to have my time recorded I can like celebrate at the finish line of a marathon um and then just like barfing up everything I like was able to drink during the race um but that experience was so crazy and just so I I think I was like in shock for a couple of weeks that I had actually, actually run that time for sure. It really is so exciting. You, you, you get that, you know, after, you know, after taking, you know, some under, completely understandable time away from the marathon, but then to come back with abandon and like, as you said, that you had some unfinished business and you got it back and then some, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> and, you know, which really dovetails into like, I love this blog post you wrote, March 2018. It's like, it was it was obviously like, all right, I'm just going to do like a brain dump on like all <laughs> the stuff running through my head regarding like my running, you know, our family, where, what, what the future is going to look like and all this stuff. And you, you set out this like, it's kind of this outline of like what we what we hope to have happen, you know, before we get pregnant again, which could be any time. We're not sure. Um and it was like in retrospect, I'm reading it now. I'm like, I think she went pregnant when she was writing. <laughs> I think it was like a month later, I think. But yeah, it was funny because we had kind of like after CM, we were like, oh man, we have to decide like if we're going to have another baby now or if we're going to wait till after the trials. Um, and we had kind of settled on like waiting till after the trials and then like been okay with that. And then I, 
And then we were like, oh, we're pregnant. <laughs> so it was kind of like a decision that was made for us, but we're like so excited and so happy and seeing our girls being two and a half years apart has been so fun. Yeah, that that is a nice break. There's a nice gap between them, that's for sure. It's like enough for like you can get your life back together between each, but also like they're close enough where they can be friends as yeah. they get older and can play and things like that. And, and you, you don't you, get you don't get too far away from like the diapers and all that yeah. stuff because I feel like once it's passed too far, then you're like, I'm not going back there. Yeah, yeah. You don't you want to go back to like poop up the back. Yeah, if you've no. been away from it for too long. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, you you bring it up. You made a good point because you had that you had that choice to make if you wanted to make a choice of like, do you do it before February 2020 or do you wait? And again, there's no right answer because you can't presume like you know you could you could wait it and then get in a stress fracture. Been like, right. what was that? I should have yeah. I should have gotten pregnant. You know, um, or the opposite could have happened. You know what I mean? Like you. You have it now, but then you know things don't go the way you want. So it, it's it's hard to to pencil in exactly what's going to happen. But I think one huge difference, which obviously must have been weighing on your mind, is just how quickly you got back to running after pregnancy, after birth number two, compared to birth yep. number one. Yeah. So that's the thing that's been difficult because after live, I didn't even feel like training hard I mean I was running but I didn't feel like getting back on his schedule until she was like nine months old um and if I waited that long this time like the trials would not go well so you know I'm we waited until I was about eight weeks postpartum to like start doing some workouts and stuff but yeah I'm she's four months uh Marigold is four months old today and like already back in the swing of doing workouts and long runs I did 16 miles today so like I'm fully back in training mode, which is totally different than the first time around. And do you feel like you, um, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't, <laughs> don't want to pry here, but do you feel like you like allowed, like gave yourself the time that you needed and it just happened to be serendipitously come pretty quick? Or do you feel like you had this inherent pressure to come? I think it's an internal pressure for sure. Um, just cause I do want to be fit and be ready for the trials. And since CIM has, is really like, the only marathon that I've run at like an elite level. Um, I do want to do another one before CI or before the trial. So um, it's not just being ready by February, 2020. I'm trying to get ready by September or October um, to do another marathon. Um, I have definitely, I do, but I do think I've been smart. Um, I'm, I'm feel like I'm pushing the envelope a little bit, um, trying to go like a little bit further. Um, than I would have maybe naturally, but, uh, things are feeling good. Um, I'm definitely a little bit tired. I've been good about being flexible, um, with myself and, you know, pushing off a workout if I'm feeling tired or, um, like, like for example, this Friday I had a workout scheduled and a Marigold was up like four or five times in the middle of the night, which just like is not her. So I was exhausted. I'm like, the workout's not happening. Like I'm sleeping in, we're going to do some easy double stroller miles and I'll like do the workout tomorrow. Um, and then today even like I wanted to get up and do my run super early, but we all slept through our alarms. I'm like, oh, I'll like, I'll do my long run mid morning. So, um, you know, definitely pushing the pace on things, but I think I'm being smart and safe and listening to my body and trying to do all the things I can to avoid, avoid injuries or any snags that could come up. 
Lauren, look at you. In college, if you if you did a three o'clock run at three thirty, you would like send oh, you around oh, the yeah. bend. And now you're like skipping days and doing all this it's stuff. It's wild. Like, good for you, I know. Man. And that's something to even like for the build up to CIM, because I had live and I was working full time and traveling um for my call the the coaching job I had. But like I, I it was just always so funny to me. I was thinking like, oh my gosh, if I like didn't if I was this un in control in college, like I would have lost my mind. And so my my husband always is like, Wow, you've gone so like go with the flow. I love it. Cause he's like way go with the flow. So he's rubbed off on me in a good way there. <laughs> good job, hubby. There you go. Um, so do you have a particular marathon in mind um, for the fall? I'm still like I'm trying to find that balance of early enough where like or late enough where I can feel get fit after baby and like early enough where I have time to take some downtime and then like have a full another buildup for the trials. Um, so right now I'm, I don't know. It's so hard. I'm looking at Montreal, which is end of September, um, or like twin cities, um, or Chicago, one of those three probably. Right. And it makes a lot of sense why you'd want to do it. All things, if, if, you know, as long as you're capable of, of doing it, why you'd want to run a marathon considering your yeah. your marathon experience or inexperience, you know, um, compared to some of the other people who are running. Not as if I know that you're not, you're not in there to like get <laughs> top three, but you also want to like, you know, obviously, obviously yeah. you want to yes. kill it. You, know, you want to have like yeah. the best race of your life, yeah. um, which is exciting, but also like there's a lot of pressure there to be like, okay, well, what do I need to do yeah, in order exactly. to make that and happen? Another thing too, this is like probably minor, but I, for CIM, I did not qualify for the like elite water bottle um, groups because my time, my, my marathon time was slow and my half marathon time was like 30 seconds too slow. So I like have not been in a marathon before where I've had the elite water bottles on the tables. Um, and I ha- still also haven't like locked in my fueling situation. Um, so I really, really, really want to do a marathon where I'm like taking the bottles off the table and doing that whole thing. Um, before the trials for sure oh that's interesting now i've talked to i talked to mario fraioli about this a couple weeks ago just how so many people are going to be approaching the fall in so many Mm -hmm. different ways depending on their own experiences and you know their own ability to bounce back from hard efforts and you know just their experiences runner overall you know say someone who's 36 versus someone who's 26 and and all of these different things right i think your your reasoning makes all the sense in the world right like you're like hey you want to get these experiences in so that on race day you're locked in there's no like what ifs right you can just focus on performance which is always nice so with all that being said do you do you when you think about your fall marathon do you view it as like hey like the goal is to like kick ass or is the goal just to gain the goal is just to gain experience but i don't want to go out there and run like you know three hours or whatever so i feel like if i wasn't ready to run around my time or i don't know pie in the sky goal is to run like 240 um but we'll see if that's even possible i'm trying to just think about the process focus on the process and um because like for cam i really just plugged away day after day, week after week. And we didn't really come up with my goal until like 10 days out. And I think that's what's going to be the plan for this fall marathon. Just put in the work, get as fit as I can, and then decide what, what the time goal is when we get there. I think that makes a lot of sense because 
you know, because it, you know, it's one thing to have a goal when you start your training or like to say like, Hey, in two years, I want to be at a certain level. But like when you actually have like a goal for a marathon in terms of like, Hey, we're, this is the race I want to execute. Like it's more mm-hmm. of like, how fit am I? As opposed to like a goal like I'm, I'm doing like the air quotes now families can see <laughs> me in my basement i'm doing the air quotes on goal because it really isn't goal it's more of like this is how fit i am and hopefully i can yeah and that i think that also just helped me be more chill in the training cycle for cim too like i wasn't you know i just i was executing each workout as it came and wasn't always analyzing like well what does this mean i can do at cim you know in like eight weeks because they're not always correlated Oh, so the, the so the type A personality has yeah. all has completely well, even now, gone like, away. I'm supposed to be doing a half marathon in like a month, and I'm like, how? How is that possible? Like, if this is what I'm running right now, and I'm like, okay, I'm just I just gotta let go, trust the process, it'll come around. Uh, like, I'll run with all I'm gonna run, but it is tough to get out of that rut. And that <laughs> and that's a good question right there because like that that dives into something that some people struggle with, and by some people I mean me is the idea of racing when you're not at peak mm-hmm. at your peak fitness. Like, you know, I I know intellectually that racing no matter your fitness level is important. Yeah. You learn how to suffer, you learn how to push it, and it's all relative. Like you're tired when you're tired. It doesn't matter what pace you're running and you learn what to do once you hit that level. And while intellectually I know that I hate <laughs> racing when I'm not yep. really, really fit. I just get self-conscious about it. How do I you love racing all like all the time. Just, um, and I'm a big proponent with my athletes, you know, of racing, even when you're not in peak shape, because it puts a lot less pressure than on those times that you are going after your big dream goal. Um, mm. and I just think racing in general is fun. So, um, I've always been, you know, race somebody that like wants to race rather than like hold off um, for when I'm super fit. So that, that half, that half yeah. marathon that's a month away. It's not that you're racing in a month that's that's like has you worried. It's more of like that you're doing a half like, marathon. Oh, in a I'm month. more like uh, I just don't know like what the heck time I'm gonna run, <laughs> and I don't want to like embarrass myself, you know. But I. I don't think that'll happen. So it's just interesting. I mean, cause this week, so I did a six mile tempo at like six forty one pace and I'm like, um, I want to be running like six fifteen pace for the, for the half marathon like that, but it'll be okay. What, whatever I run. So I, you know, I think I just have to trust that when you're in a race setting, you feel a lot different, um, than you do in like a workout kind of setting and four or five weeks is a, ends up being a long time in the grand scheme of things. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all this. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to have you back on. That'd be great. Later on in the year as we get ready for the, for, for the big trials qualifiers, get everyone who's been on the show to come back on again. Um, as, as you get ready, um, you talked before, I brought it up too, that you are a coach. If someone is interested in learning more about you or your coaching service, where's the, where's the best yeah, place so for them to go? I coach under, uh, lift run perform. So you can check out that website. Um, I'm one of the coaches. Um, and if you want to check out, um, just me specifically, my Instagram handle is the foodie runner underscore. Thank you again, Lauren, for coming on the show. This was so much fun. Also, thank you to Mercury Mile and Megaton Coffee for sponsoring this episode. Mercury Miles always hooking it up with the best clothing. And they sent it right to your house. It's so darn easy. I literally opened my box today, like outside while my kids were playing. I mean, like, listen, 
you're going to go out and go to a bunch of running stores. It's going to take a long time. I opened up my running gear in my front yard. So, I mean, there's really no more else. There's really nothing else to say beyond that. Also, Megaton Coffee, always hooking it up. Megatoncoffee.com to get the best coffee sent directly to your home. That's twice as caffeinated. You know you're all about that. And it's really, really good. Also, lastly, most importantly, I cannot thank David Margetti enough, the producer, the new producer here at the Rambling Runner podcast. Also, shout out for the intro and outro music to Meta P for his song Righteous Path featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu and produced by Symphonic Bang. Have a great day and happy running. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.